again, a privilege to gather with you and to just explore the cross of Jesus and what it means. And as we start out today, I wanted to consider the fact that there are many ways of expressing the same feeling or emotion. There are many ways of expressing what anger is, what love is, what, what joy is. And to prove my point, I, I came across a wonderful Pinterest page all about different ways of saying I love you. If it's okay, I wanted to share with you a few examples of how to express love. Here we go. Um, the first one is from our good friend Winnie the Pooh. He says, any day spent with you is my favorite day, so today is my new favorite day. Oh, that's special. Husbands, I know this is cheesy, but use this with your wives or girlfriends. I bet it'd work. It'd work. Uh, feel free. You can thank me later. Uh, more, getting into it. This is kind of sci-fi-ish. Uh, um, here we go. Um, maybe they watch The Matrix. I'm not sure. And I choose you in a hundred lifetimes and a hundred worlds in any version of reality. Blue pill or red pill, I'd choose and find you. That's cool. Awesome. The next one strikes me as a guy who's kind of obsessive-compulsive. Um, look at this one. Today I have loved you 9,654 days. And like at 10,000 it's going to run out. So you're on a, I don't know what to do with this one, but uh, over 26 years if you're curious. That's, that's a long time. Uh, for all you hunters out there, we're, we're thinking of you today. You are a catch. And uh, under there it says and a, a pretty good looking one too. Uh, that's, that's awesome. And finally, for just the, the visual learners out there, uh, here it is. What happens in my heart, what happens in my stomach, and what happens in my head. And, and that's the reason you do crazy things when you're in love. And you say crazy things because there's no logic sometimes with love. And I could just have said, I love you, right? And these people could have just said, I loved you. But what they sought to do is use many different ways, many different illustrations to get across that point, didn't they? Now you turn to God. And all we could gather around every Sunday is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But does God stop there? If you turn to what's recorded for us, what's preserved for us in his word, he gives us a whole bunch of pictures. He gives us lots of illustrations. And thus we get the goal of our series. Are you ready for the goal of Crosswords? It's this. To see the different words and pictures God gives to express his love and salvation. See, God doesn't want to stop by saying I love you. God doesn't want to stop by saying I've saved you. He wants to fill your mind filled with all those different ways of looking at it and those pictures that just give us comfort and illustrate grace. And so our goal is to see those different pictures and to tie our hearts to that comfort and to his grace. And it's going to be fun. So the first word and the first picture that we could explore is this word, justification. Could you say that word with me? Are you ready? Justification. Wow, that's really good. You guys are in it. All right, thank you. Justification, and it's a big word, right? If you got a quiz on what justification was, I'm not sure you'd pass it unless you had today's message, right? Um, but you're going to leave today knowing what it is, having a picture of what it is, and I think it's a really way of, of illustrating that you're saved, that you're loved by our God. Now, a bit about justification in this teaching. Um, Luther, Martin Luther, had this to say about it. He said, this article of justification is the master and prince, the Lord, the ruler, and the judge over all kinds of doctrines. So it's a big deal, is what he's saying. I remember going to school, and they would say in seminary, it's on this teaching, justification, that a church either stands or falls. You get this right, you get everything right. You, you don't get this right, you don't get it right at all. And so we're going to explore again what this means. Let's get into God's word then where we hear this word justification, see these pictures. It's recorded to us in Romans 5. I invite you to turn there now, the middle of page 7. We're going to read all of it, and this is going to be our discussion for today as we dig into God's word. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, 
and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. He's talking about Adam there. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. Now here it's talking about the Mosaic law. I know this might get confusing and technical. But Moses was again given the laws from God. Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, right? So we got the picture. And uh, all the ceremonial laws as well. So they knew exactly what they needed to do. That's the law that's illustrated here that they're specifically talking about, okay? So we get into it. Before that law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam till the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, or those commands, the Mosaic commands, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Nor can the gift of God be compared to the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one act of righteousness resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Dear friends, this is some beautiful, beautiful words here, beautiful imagery, which we get to explore in the context of justification. Let's dig in to God's Word. You know, the uh, U.S. Paralympics uh, have been portrayed. I remember yesterday it was on TV, and um, I want to tell you one of the neat stories out of the Paralympics. It's about one young lady named Jessica Long. Jessica was actually born in Russia to a couple of unwed teens at the time, and yet Jessica had complications at birth. She had no bones or ligaments in the lower half of her body. Because of the complications, because of having uh, this child, those parents could not provide for Jessica. And so she was adopted by U.S. parents. They brought her up, and she was a double amputee. She currently is a U.S. swimmer, and so again, swims for the USA team in the Paralympics and does a fantastic job. Well, because the Olympic Games were in Russia this year, in Sochi, she actually found and was able to be reunited with her birth parents. And I have a picture of what this looks like. Um, here, here it is. Jessica is there in the middle, the W amputee, and those are her parents found in Russia. Now what strikes me is it has to be interesting meeting people who have an influence over your life but you've never met. And so I wonder if they were picking out the different facial features, you know, that are the same. You can tell there's a family resemblance. I wonder if they, they were looking at different aptitudes or different personality things. They wondered if there was a, a similarity. But people she's never met who had a profound influence on her life. Do you know there are two people you've never met who've had a profound influence on your life? And I'm not talking about your great-grandfather. I'm not talking about anyone in your family tree, actually. The two people we meet and are talked about in today's message that have profound influence on you are Adam 
and Christ. And both of them have had influence on us. Let's explore first the influence that Adam has on us. Look at verse 12 once again. Verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through the one man, Adam, so death came through sin. And in this way, death to all people because all sinned. And so what Adam did is illustrated in my first glass here today. What Adam did in sinning is he brought all bunch of chaos and mess to our world. And I'm just spilling all over. And because of Adam, it says, we now have mess inside of us. We know that about coming into the world, our little children have what we call original sin. We don't have to teach them how to be disobedient. They are disobedient. They are rebels because we were, and our parents were, all the way back to the time of Adam. More than that, it goes on to say that because of Adam, we face death. We face this blackness. We face horrible results because of him. So if we've ever been to a funeral, that was because of Adam. If we've ever had to deal with the sorrow, our enemy death, that was because of Adam. Now at this point, when we look at Adam's influence, so like, I got all this junk in my life, and I got to wrestle with the sinful nature, and I'm disobedient, and I'm a rebel, and, and I got to face death. At this point, it is really easy to look at what Adam said and use one word saying, that's unfair. Unfair. I didn't have any part of what Adam did. I wasn't there in the garden. I had no, no part of his decision to sin against God, and yet I'm stuck with all of that? that, that that's unfair, Adam. But I believe we can't just pass the buck. Yes, Adam might have started things, but we've carried him on. Passing the buck isn't a good thing to do. We see that with celebrities nowadays. Lance Armstrong, remember that debacle? My goodness, if he would have just fessed up and said, I did it, right? It would have went down a lot better. But, but what he did was he passed the buck. The doctors or the influence at the time, and, and that's no good. God looks at us and says, it's, it's not good enough for us just to pass the buck on Adam either. He may have started sin, but you and I have carried it on, haven't we? We've sinned in thought and word and deed. And so we too deserve the effects of what Adam did. We deserve that death. But there's another influence, isn't there? There's Jesus. There's Christ and what he's done. And look, look now at what he's done in verse 17. Verse 17, what does it say? For if by the trespass of the one man death reign through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And so what Jesus does is he does the ultimate reversal. Even though Adam brought all this effect on us in the world, Jesus reverses it in a great way. And now I have this illustration, and it might get messy again, but, but this is what Jesus does to what Adam did. Come on, baby. Keep going. It's magical. Keep getting that sin, right? Oh, that's beautiful. It's not done yet. It's going to work all the way through. And I got more grace where that's coming from. And so Adam may have lived, and he brought all bunch of junk to this world. But Jesus is the great reverser. Where there was disobedience, there is obedience in Christ. Where there is death, there is life in Christ. Where there is heartache, there is hope in Christ. Where there is sadness, there is joy in Christ. And so this person we've never met has reversed our fortune because he is that good. And what we just saw, did it work? 
There it is. I spilled on the side. That's the reason we got this dot. But it worked, didn't it? Jesus has grace to cover what Adam did. And then I transitioned from here. And do you know we have a baptism today? My goodness, do I love baptism. Because what we just saw is a great visual of what our God does. We come into this world as sinners. David recorded, even from conception, I was in sin. And we're born with all this junk and disobedience, and yet through the water and the word, what does God do? He reverses that effect. And he cleans it up. And because of faith in Jesus, we now wear his righteous robe. The reason that's all clear is because Jesus was obedient. The reason our kids are all clear is because Jesus was obedient. Sometimes a baptismal gown is used. It's a white, beautiful gown. I think we have a couple of them. And it symbolizes Christ's obedience, that our God has cleaned up that mess, and he's reversed what Adam did. And so back to unfairness. If there is true unfairness, true unfairness is about grace. Because we had no part of Jesus' life, we had no part of the cross, we had no part of his obedience, and yet he says, through faith in me, you have it. And you have that reversal. And that effect is for you, dear friends. That is awesome. We consider another way of looking at this. Another way is uh, with cards. Do I have any card game players here? Maybe poker or bridge? I'm part of a weird group of people who play Sheep's Head. Has anyone even heard of Sheep's Head? All right, all right. It's really strange. And I'm not even going to try to explain it because every time I play, someone has to re-explain the rules. But, but this is what I know. In Sheep's Head, there are trump cards or the highest value cards. And, and the way we play it is that the queen of clubs is the ultimate trump card. So if you have this in your hand and if you play it right, you're going to take every, every card. And so what I see is, is this cosmic card game. And Adam's at the table, and he lays down a jack, which, which is a trump card, and it's just under the queen. It has some weight. It would take most hands. But I say if Jesus is at the table, what he's doing in Scripture is he's laying down the grace trump card for us, right? And so Adam might have had an effect, but Jesus is going to take this hand. What Adam did in disobedience brought death, but through an act of obedience he brings life, and we have the grace trump card. That's the glory of Christ today. But we're not done looking at those pictures. In fact, now let's get into what it's talking about to be justified. Let's get that picture. Um, at this point, I call on my volunteers. I have talked to two volunteers today who can join me on stage. Lee and Carolyn, could you join me? Um, and can we give them a round of applause? It's, it's hard to come up before people to be on display. Great to see you, Lee. Carolyn bailed me out in the past. Thank you for being here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you sit uh, over here, and I have some chairs for you. Um, now, did you guys know you would be judged by God today? Um, probably didn't think of that when you woke up. Um, but, but here's your chair, Carolyn. Um, here is your chair, Lee. Uh, grab a seat. And, and this is Amazing Love's courtroom. I know it looks really official, right? And, and, and you're going to represent a, a few different people on trial. Um, Carolyn, um, well, we'll get to you in a second, but... But you got the short straw. Here we have the child of Adam. So, Lee, I'm sorry you're, you're the representative for us today. Carolyn, you're the child of Christ. Okay. Now, because I get to be the pastor and speak on God's behalf, I get to be God today. All right, so I'm going to be the judge. And uh, I asked my wife for a gavel, and this is what we came up with. So, um, so here it is, and it even glows. 
<clears throat> and so what justification means is that we're gathered in a courtroom. And I, as God, can see everything that Lee has done. And Lee, you're on trial first. And Lee, according to being a child of Adam, I see everything and, and all the bad, all the sin that we considered. And so um, I'm going to keep it light. I, I saw that McDonald's has shamrock shakes. You love shamrock shakes. You had seven of them in one day. That's not good for your body, Lee. I saw that. And I look at the whole corpus of your life and I say, man, there's, there's blackness. And because being a child of Adam, what I, what I can declare is God is saying, you're guilty. You're guilty. But now, Carolyn, you're a much better case for us today. Carolyn re represents anyone who believes in Jesus, just has faith in him. And the glorious thing is that through faith, we are credited uh, God's righteousness. And so, Carolyn, because you believe in Jesus, you are credited with his obedience. And so, as God, I don't even see your sin. I just see obedience. I see purity. I see holiness. And Carolyn, because you're a child of God, child of Christ, not guilty. Not guilty. Carolyn, why don't you share that card with, that, with, with, with Lee here? Not guilty for you too, young man. Not guilty. And this because we have faith in Christ and he covers us. Now this declaration, I want you to know, Carolyn and Lee and everyone else, it's valid today. Do you know you can walk out today saying, I was in a courtroom by God and he has declared me not guilty? That is awesome. And do you know this has ramifications for eternity? That we don't worry about the end of the world because your judgment already came down through faith. It is not guilty. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Can we give them a round of applause? You can make your way down. Oh, don't worry about the chairs. We're good. We're good. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Carolyn. And this is what we've come to gather, my friends. To see as many pictures of what Jesus has done to give us comfort. To know that when he came into the world, he did for us what we could not do. In fact, you know what's so good about Jesus? I got plenty of grace here. Remember that grace illustration? He does this with all of what Adam did. He's got grace enough for all of it, baby. Yeah, every effect that he started, he, he paid for the sins of the entire world so that anyone who comes and knows Jesus as Savior will have that perfection credited to them. He is good. Do you see why we call his love amazing? And you and I have been justified. So what is justification? I have to make through in my promise. It is this, to simply be declared not guilty. It's getting in the courtroom. It's understanding God was judge and he's already given the verdict. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. But now I think we need to see how justification affects our living. Let's consider the implications of what it is to feel and be justified today. How do we walk it out? That's what I want to talk about next. To talk about this next, I, I want to bring you back to my college days. And back in college, I had a class that no matter how hard I tried, I could never get an A. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You tried your hardest, and you could never please. And this was my Latin class. And I would study, seriously, two hours before every class. That was like serious work, just, just memorizing stuff. Didn't learn much, but memorizing stuff. And I'll never forget because this class was so hard, the one day that I got 100% on a quiz. Man, was that a good feeling. Like this was worth more than my college diploma because I got 100%. I could never get past 93 with this guy, I tell you what. But 
And so I'll never forget the quiz that I was taking. It was classical Latin, and it was a poem by Catullus. I want to share it with you. This was my 100%, this, this poem. I had to translate from Latin. It says, give me a thousand kisses, then another hundred, then another thousand, then a second hundred, then yet another thousand more, then another hundred. That's a great poem, right? <laughs> and you probably guessed why I did so well. There's only like three different words in there. <laughs> thousand and hundred, you got it covered. All right. And, and I love this poem, though, because, again, I got the 100%. It just sticks with me. And if you see this poem by Catullus, he's not really progressing any thoughts here, is he? Logically, it's, it's the same thought. You could sum it up saying, kiss me, right? Um, but, but he's just rolling it over and over in his mind what it is to kiss this person, oh, 100 and 1,000, and rolling it over and over and over. And I don't know if this struck you, but when I read Romans chapter 5 and this section, it kind of struck me the way Catullus was speaking. If you look at this section, I've never seen the Apostle Paul be more gloriously redundant. Did you catch that? He could sum up this whole section by saying, Adam disobeyed and brought death, but Jesus, he obeyed and brought life. But you know what I think Paul does? He's getting giddy with grace. He's just so excited. Like, like, God loves me. Like, did you know that, like, I was a sinner, and I deserved death, but Jesus was obedient, and I got life. And Adam was just like me, and he caused this and brought death, but, but Jesus, he reversed it, and he had an effect on all people. And then the gift of righteousness and grace came through life. And he's just going over, kind of like a man in love. Kind of like a tell us, I love her, and she loves me. I'd give her the world, and she'd give me the world. And I'd do anything for her, and she'd do anything for me. And, and they're just so happy. So what does this mean for you and I? I think we need a little bit of Paul today. And so as you leave today, this is what I want to do with justification and the teaching we've considered. I want you to get giddy with it. Not jiggy with it. That's something different. Will Smith, thank you very much. But I want you to get giddy with it. I want you to so capture what it means to be justified, what it means to roll this over in your head. They're so excited that you never stop looking and peering in the courtroom where God called you not guilty, that you fix your eyes there. You're just giddy with grace. Because I don't know about you, but as I look at Christians, as I look at my own life, we struggle not with giddiness over grace. I would say for most of us, we struggle with guilt, don't we? In fact, we can live most of our days just locked in guilt. Do you know I encounter many Christians who most of their lives look like a little dog? And for all your dog lovers, I think dogs give us a great picture of how Christians live their life. You ever scold a dog before? You know what that looks like? Here's a picture of a scolded dog. It's cute. That's great. But how often do we live our days like this? I mean, if I had conversations with those who know Jesus and know what the cross means, and yet they're living their lives with their ears drooped, and I know I should have and I didn't, and, and man, my day is bad, and this, this just stinks. Do you know that's way too impersonal? Do you know how often I can let guilt rule the day? It's crazy. I can sit a whole day in the office feeling unloved, unworthy, and just depressed. What's even crazier is that the devil is so powerful, he can work that I can be doing the right thing and he can make me feel guilty about it. You ever been there? You can do the right thing. You can be exactly where you're supposed to be, and yet guilt can rule the day, and it can steal your joy. 
And it can stop you from living for Christ or stop you from living in peace or stop you from living in joy each day. And how do we get there? I think it's because we've forgotten to get giddy with it. I think it's because we've forgotten to take our eyes into the courtroom where the judge said not guilty, where he said you have peace now and forever, by the way. And so we want to go back to that courtroom today and this whole week and keep our eyes there and say, I was declared not guilty. Now, a different sermon for a different day is that repentance and contrition are good things. That's a different sermon for a different day. It is good to feel sorrow over sin and it is good to turn from sin and towards God. But here's what I believe. Part of repentance is trusting in forgiveness. Part of being in Christ is standing in grace and knowing that right now he sees me as a completely loved child of God. Right now I'm a completely obedient child of God through faith in him. And so better is to turn my eyes to that courtroom and get giddy with it. Would you pray with me? We pray. Heavenly Father, how glorious is your grace to me. Thank you for reversing what Adam did. Thank you for replacing sin and death with obedience and life. Help me to keep the courtroom before me where you declared me not guilty on account of Jesus. Give me the confidence to walk each day with the peace that you have won for me and while still turning from sin. Assure me that this declaration is valid now and for eternity and when I face death, it will only be the gateway to life eternal with you. Amen. Dear friends, I invite you to please stand.